0: Coming up on the FSR Fighter podcast.
1: I was in a uh, meeting in front of a client in Miami and all of a sudden standing in front of the client presenting, my heart rate jumped from 45 to 170 in a matter of seconds.
0: Andrew Brandt fought sarcoidosis himself and raised big money for the bigger fight.
1: I had an elevated purpose to kind of help others um, but like I said, when I learned from my mistakes before, that burden that you carry is, and the fight that you're doing needs to be a shared uh, burden.
0: Andrew's story and how you can help coming up.
1: This is the Sark Fighter Podcast. Living with Sarcoidosis and other rare diseases. Here's your host, John Carlin.
0: Hello and welcome. This is episode 71 of the FSR Sark Fighter podcast. I'm your host, John Carlin. Of course, if you listen regularly, you know I do this podcast because I want to offer fellow Sark fighters hope and to help you connect with other Sark patients, hear their stories, understand how sarcoidosis affects their lives, and hopefully that helps you understand what you are up against and what you need to overcome whether it's the disease or the effects of the medicine, or in most cases, both. And of course, whenever possible, I'll shine a light on the latest research to let you know what's going on that might might make your life a little bit better. And over the past year, with support from the community, FSR has been making some incredible progress in efforts to accelerate sarcoidosis research. And there's something out there that you might want to read. Spotlighting sarcoidosis to hashtag make it visible. FSR's 2022 update is available now. And it provides an inside look at the really the incredible progress made in the last year as well as upcoming initiatives and programs in the sarcoidosis world. And so you can go to the FSR website and read that update and learn how your support will actually help stop sarcoidosis, and we'll be talking a lot about that today. Um, I do want to tell you, I mentioned in the previous podcast that I had just gone out on a bike ride with Kristen Armstrong, who is the most decorated female cyclist in United States history. She won gold medals at the Olympics in 2008 in Beijing, 2012 in London, and 2016 in Rio. And she agreed to do an interview with me. She was here in Roanoke, Virginia, where I live, Virginia's Blue Ridge. Uh, our ride was very slow this was not a competitive ride uh, by any stretch of the imagination in fact we basically did a riding interview which is first time i've ever done that and so i was working on a story about Kristen and all of her successes Uh, and you can see it by going to the tv station's website which is wsls.com there'll be a link in the show notes but when you get there Um, The way our website works, you have to sign up to be a WSLS Insider, which is free, and it only takes 30 seconds, basically your name and your email address. And then you'll look for John Carlin's Outdoors if it's not right there uh, in front of you, depending upon when you go, because the website under insiders gets populated with new stuff. But just do a quick search for Kristen Armstrong or John Carlin's Outdoors and you'll see it. Let me tell you, if you want a solid dose of inspiration and determination to uh, just see what it took for her to reach the top of her sport, retire and then start a family and then come back and then do it again when she was over 40. So take a take a look at my story with Kristen Armstrong on WSLS.com and uh, and maybe you'll you'll find a solid dose of inspiration there. I certainly did in talking to her. Now today speaking of that we'll be listening to two people Andrew Brandt and Angela Freelander. Uh, Angela's with FSR. Andrew is a fellow Sark fighter He's been diagnosed now for just over five years. He has pulmonary, neuro, and cutaneous sarcoidosis. But this is a guy who has a streak for running every day, and I'm going to let him describe that to you because it's incredible, and I don't want to miss anything, but he's actually ranked in the world when it comes to the most days in a row of running at least a mile. And so you take a look at this guy, a successful businessman, works for a Fortune 300 company, charismatic, nice guy. He's, he's got a family. He goes to work. I mean, he just gets up and does all these things right, and he takes good care of himself, and he has sarcoidosis. So why him? And how did Sark present itself to a guy who seems to be doing everything right? How did he know that something was wrong? He's going to talk about that coming up in the interview. And then Angela is going to come on because Andrew was very successful in turning his difficulty with sarcoidosis, and I guess that's putting it mildly, uh, into, a, into a big fundraiser. And Angela, who's in charge of fundraising for FSR, is going to come on and talk a little bit about that as well uh, at the end of the interview with Andrew. So all of that is coming up next here on the FSR Sark Fighter podcast. I feel like
2: a zombie just feeding at
0: Hi, I hope you're enjoying the Sark Fighter podcast. You may be wondering, what can I do to help? How can I be a part of the sarcoidosis solution? It's simple make a donation to KISS, kick in to stop sarcoidosis. 100% of the money goes to the Foundation for Sarcoidosis Research. Look for a link in the show notes of the Sark Fighter podcast. Welcome back to the FSR Sark Fighter podcast. And joining me now is Andrew Bratt. Uh, And joining us in a little while will be Angela Friedlander with FSR. But uh, Andrew, First of all, you are a SARC patient, and you are talking to us from just outside Chicago this morning. Tell us a little bit just about you, your, uh, your family situation, and your job. Let's just meet you very quickly, and then we'll get into your journey with sarcoidosis.
1: Sure. Uh, I'm 43 years old, uh, young, uh, as I still like to you know tell myself every day but i'm i'm happily married to a, a beautiful bride uh, named jennifer i have three children uh they're 20 years old 10 years old and one years old so i'm also a part-time uh of a circus if you will and it's you know managing and parenting in three generations is, is tricky um but like you said i live in the northwest suburbs of chicago uh, so I'm a, I'm a avid sports fan, but I'm also uh, an avid runner. And um, ironically enough, I'm 364th in the world of active running streaks of running at least a mile every day. So today was 3,950 days without missing a single day. I've done that through pneumonia. I've done that through uh, injuries this week. I've, I've been doing it through COVID. Um, and so, so there's many tentacles that weave into my journey with sarcoidosis but but uh definitely that's just a little bit about me
0: so so how many days have you run in a row three
1: thousand nine hundred and fifty and so november 23rd of this year will be 11 years straight without missing a day
0: holy cow that's amazing
1: yeah it's a pretty cool story
0: that is and so and so you are so, so they rank people in the world according to how many days in a row they have run and somebody keeps track of that?
1: Yeah, and I'm, only, I'm only about 45 years shy of the number one place. I got some work to do. Uh, wow. <laughs> but but uh, the good thing is, is I started out as a, uh, I was working in retail back in the day. So I started out as kind of a Thanksgiving to New Year's uh, challenge and, and I just I haven't stopped since. And you know, it's like the movie Forrest Gump, where he did it for you know a thousand and some days. Well, I'm I'm 3x Forrest Gump. So if you can imagine that without the beard, uh, that's where I'm at today.
0: Well, congratulations on that. Holy yeah. cow. Yeah. Uh I'm very, very impressed. And I've had I've had some r- running and cycling streaks where I try to ride or run uh a hundred miles in a month. Um and but you know, every day, forget about it. But I, I did like 17 years of that. Wow. So truly um, impressive. Yeah.
1: yeah. And and, I've got over, I've got over, uh, almost over 20,000, yeah, 20,000 miles, uh, on the ground, um, or on a treadmill uh, in this streak. So yeah, I can, I'm, I'm trying to work my way around the world.
0: Well, (laughs) congratulations on that. So, So, you know, this is this is extremely interesting to me because I can tell that you are healthy, that you are fit. Uh, This is this is something that that I have seen with other folks. uh, And all of a sudden sarcoidosis shows up. So here you are doing everything, quote unquote, right. When did you start feeling like "Hmm, there's something going on here that's not just that's not right?
1: yeah it was in, it was in uh, the summer of 2017 for me i was in a uh, meeting in front of a client in miami and all of a sudden standing in front of the client presenting my heart rate jumped from 45 to 170 in a matter of seconds and i you know i was losing track of mine i didn't know they asked me to sit down i didn't know if i was having a panic attack a stroke or whatever Um, And so, you know, immediately uh, when I got home, I went and got a full blood test and it came back that everything was normal. Uh, And there's uh, further indications that just the calibration of my body was off and I could just feel it. And then uh, there's spots on my skin that started to show up. And so um, in January of 2018, I went to a dermatologist who Thought I had uh, basal cell skin cancer. Skin cancer runs in my family. Uh-huh. My mom had melanoma, so and I was really worried uh, at that point. And the diagnosis came back. Asked me to come in. Said you got something called sarcoidosis. So immediately, like I should, but most people do, I went down the Google wormhole, mm. and um, I got to my primary care physician. He was listening to my chest and looking me over, and said, "Hey, these things tend to go away on their own. You're fine, but let's do a." do an x-ray and, and, and see what's going on and so i got the results from the radiologist who said well we have findings that are consistent with pulmonary fibrosis prim- basically stage four um, as you can imagine i, I was completely devastated uh, and you're still you're I- still
0: running you're still running through all of this
1: so, yeah, like, I'm still running up until this point. And, and that day, my parents had come over and, you know, to, to help me through this emotional kind of news. And I'm trying to grasp all this information. And then my wife and kids go to bed as, as my parents left. I remember going into my basement, finding a corner in my basement and crying like I've never cried in my life. Just wow. not knowing how to process everything that's, you know, the weight of, you know, being there for your family and, and what's to come. And the one thing that I decided to do after I worked through that was when they get up in the morning, I want them to see what dad is doing every day. I want them to see me on the treadmill. I want them to understand that notion of one foot in front of the other is, is you persevering. Ironically enough, the last to join the family business, because uh, I mentioned my run streak, but every single one of my, uh, family members outside the one-year-old. He just started walking three weeks ago, but we give him time, have an active running streak. My wife just hit 2000 days. And mind you, I said, I had a one-year-old 12 years after labor or 12 hours after labor, she was running in her hospital room to get her mile in. So that's a whole separate podcast, um, to talk about grit and determination. But my daughter who's 10 is about ready to hit a thousand days. And my, my, my 19 year old, soon to be 20 year old, is eight days away from doing his first year. And, you know, my birthday tribute last year, you know, he made the mention of seeing me do that, seeing me do it every day and what I was going through. He has no excuses. And so I'm glad that I gave them that sense of how to face adversity. Um, But at the same time, I was going through prednisone. And what I thought was me taking on this i'll carry the buckets of water i'll put the weight on my shoulders you know was the wrong way to go about it with my first kind of flare-up and and battle with sarcoidosis because prednisone made me completely an animal uh the side effect for me was sleep i didn't for four months i didn't sleep longer than one night for two hours most nights was an hour hour and a half so i I wasn't really pleasant to be around and and there's Mm -hmm vivid memories of me that I will never be able to forgive myself of just snapping at my children for the littlest of things. And so what I was trying to teach them in grit and determination, I wasn't balancing myself out. And I learned a lot about how to deal with adversity as I went forward.
0: Well, that is, um, that is definitely a runner's approach. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you grit it out, you tough it out. you you, you sometimes you don't want to get up and put those shoes on and go, but you go because that's what you do. and and when you apply that to life, um, it generally results in successful people, But I can see where um, we call this the Sark Fighter podcast, and you were fighting it the whole way, uh, which I which is my approach. Uh, but we've yeah. had people on who say you need to kind of get to a live and let live situation, even give yourself permission to be that way and not feel like you have to uh, attack things so aggressively. Again, that's that's not my position and and clearly it's it's not yours. So I want to get back a little bit to your medical condition. Your doctor said... You had stage four pulmonary, so you've yep. got fibrosis, and you, and you've got a pretty good case of pulmonary sarcoidosis.
1: Yeah. So, so, so what? Uh, yeah. What's
0: your breathing like? What What's going on with your body at that time?
1: Yeah. So, so thankfully and gratefully, and not everybody has this. Uh, my wife, ironically, uh, w- was running a, a sleep clinic. You know, running sleep uh, studies and working with a pulmonologist. Paul Poly- pulmonologist you know had had the history of dealing with people with sarcoidosis and said that there has been misdiagnosis so um i got a ct scan uh i was more in the stage 2 uh so there was some some scarring there was a lot of inflammation uh but wanted to go on treatment immediately um so I, thankfully i had a community i had a network to tap into where others aren't as fortunate in mistreatment or misdiagnosement uh, Continues to carry on. I was able to get kind of a better course for for treatment and how to approach it, uh, and also you know alleviate the mind uh, of what I was going through the initial diagnosis from the from the X rays.
0: How hard was it for you to breathe? You, you, people are listening to this who can't imagine yeah. running a mile. Uh, but you've got it now you finding out that finding out that you have it in your lungs, you have your heart rate, and normally a endurance athlete's heart rate will be under 50. So you said yours jumped from 45 to mid 100s. How are how are you able to function through all of that? I mean, what is what is your walking around life like at that? Yeah, point I
1: mean, um, you know, th- there's times where I still struggle today and I get vert- vertigo and, and and different types of situations, if I'm doing an incline, I might have different breathing, but my pulmonary uh, function tests before breathing are, are high. They're, they're remarkable, as you can imagine. You know, All That's right. when I, I kind of noticed, even when I got diagnosed again, that I had my, my flare up and sarcoidosis was back. I understood that the part of the process of getting in the mindset that things weren't falling apart, they were falling together they were falling in place. I had an elevated purpose to kind of help others. Um, but like I said, when I learned from my mistakes before that burden that you carry is in uh, the fight that you're doing needs to be a shared uh, burden. And, sure. you know, so, so I, I, I humbled myself to go ask for second opinions and um, I met Dr. Nadira Swice who's here in Chicago um, and, and works at, uh, exclusively with the sarcoidosis community um, I, and I happened to come across the FSR community for the first time and there was a collection of information, uh, a sense of information, guidance that meant so much to me um, that made my like the second time going through it uh, of the gratitude of the state that I was in versus some of the state that others were in, or just the, the fortunate thing that I was surrounding myself with a larger sense of community to prepare myself for not only just every day to, that, you know, what sarcoidosis brings, but what life brings. So.
0: Yeah. And um, that's, I think that's so, so how did you stumble across yeah, FSR if you don't mind my asking? It was just
1: really, so the Googling wormhole can be bad sometimes. And sometimes it can produce a gem and that's how I really came to it. And I ended up going there for questions and information and found it very valuable um, and finding others that were on the community um, supportive and, and we're going through something similar and adjacent to the things that I was experiencing or having. So um, it normalized me and the things that I was mm-hmm. thinking for the for, for the first time. Yep. Uh, on my 10-year run streak anniversary, I made a very personal decision to share my health journey on LinkedIn. Normally I would do this on Facebook or I would do it on my uh, run street community, but I wanted to encourage like that, that adversity, that badge of honor of, you know, finding an art, you know, because when we spend time in the valley and we go through the mud, those are the times that make the ascent worthwhile. When you get to a a peak and you're admiring what you're looking at, um, worthwhile. And so there's so much stigma in the corporate world and in any world about sharing your health drink, a, you don't want to put the burden on somebody else, but you also don't want people to feel like, Oh, that's limiting them. Um, Right. Right. But I had so many people from that post reach out to me and and thank me uh, for, you know, sharing and, and internally within my own organization saying, I feel more comfortable to be vulnerable to share what I'm going through, even if it was a health or something else that was personal um, and allowing kind of their own voice and their own, uh, you know, freedom. I go back to the John Livingston Seagull book, if you've ever read that, or people have. are designed to do things. And it's like, you know, well, somebody wants to be, you know, the art of flight instead of just Seagulls being predisposed to just eat, eating is all they think about. Um, and uh, it just so happened that Mary, uh, McGowan commented on my post and I was able to connect with her, uh, in December. And we sh- shared a very personal, raw conversation about our lives and things that were happening in our lives and, and where, where her history, uh, and professional history as well, what had taken her to this role and the vision that she had and the team that she was assembling. And I wanted to be a part of it. I, f- I felt like this greater sense of calling to get engaged Uh, Not only to get engaged, but like there was this convergence of things that were happening in my life where I had this uh, gratitude going through this thing. And I I had a role model, uh, Jeff, who's my leader here at Assurance, who was just the perfect person to kind of exemplify when it comes to expressing a charitable heart and doing more within the community. So I had this inspiration and I just needed to understand where my trauma was a breeding ground for empathy and how can I have that empathy and apply it to the people that were in my orbit? Um, you know, cause sometimes you sit there and you, I, I just took a family vacation to uh, Colorado and you're, you're staring at these large mountain things and, and you're staring up at the sky and you're like, this world is so vast yet we're all very so interconnected. And how do we contribute to kind of balancing the scales of humanity? And um, so, I wanted to be a conduit of what I was going through and pass that through to other people to share what was important to them. So, we started a uh, charitable movement within my team. And at the time, my team here at Assurance, I oversee a team of sixty folks that are that support our client partners and making sure that we're uh, positioning products and services with value and and and. It really uplifting our clients' brands. Um, and so they brought forward very personable uh, things that matter to them. I had a, an employee that has two kids with cystic fibrosis. Mm. I have an a, a employee that has uh, a son with autism. And uh, I have another lady on my team that um, has had a stroke and heart issues. So, you know, we did, we did a walk for American Heart Association. I've got a uh, you know, kid on my team that grew up in foster Uh, a foster home. So we worked with Together We Rise to pack bags for for foster kids so they don't have to leave in a trash bag. And so there's been, I mean, there's just been dozens and dozens of things that people have done. And what that's been able to do is open up their mind to expressing their charitable hearts, their charitable minds, but it also lets them see that people do care and they'll they'll be there to support them. And in turn, they understand I've got to lean more than I'm asking. You know, just to, for people to give, or for me to give, I got to give in more what, what I'm asking to receive back. Right. And so that environment has uh, really created a, an amazing domino effect. And I, you know, want to say my small team of sixty of a fifteen thousand employee organization equates right. for seven percent of the charitable hours. So wow,
0: that's, yeah, a, that's a lot. Yeah, that's a that's lot. Good. So, so obviously, you were able to motivate these people, but you did it by creating. A sense of uh, community within your organization, within you and those sixty folks, you were being caring and compassionate for their problems and 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 they in turn understood that there was a time when you needed help as well. and so you turned that into a fundraising effort, did you not?
1: Yeah, I mean, um so we have like I said. Uh, we do a quarterly spotlight I mean, we do things throughout the year, but we do a quarterly spotlight where we get the organization insurance great at, at uh, supporting their employees and allowing them to express their charitable endeavors. And um, they were happy enough to work with me to give a $5,000 grant. And then on top of that, um, I had, I think, 60 or 70-some folks join me in the steps for sarcoidosis to make sarcoidosis visible campaign. And we were able to almost, I want to say, we reached about 2 million steps as my team, uh, mm. which is a lot of people participating. And, and they also helped you know, contribute with their wallets. I think we raised over $10,000 um, and to help see kind of the year-over-year momentum uh, and the many great things that FSR is doing under Mary's leadership, and all the great uh, individuals that work underneath Mary, it's humbling. I, I, literally, it was my Rudy moment. Uh, it was me feeling people lifting me up on their shoulders, and and sh- and showing me they care and that they were they were there with me every step of the way. Uh, Rudy
0: being the the famous Notre Dame.
1: Rudy okay. Rudiger, yeah, at the end of the movie, when he finally gets in and makes a play, and gets carried off the field on the shoulders. I, I really felt like, you know, at the end of the month when I was reflecting, uh, you know, again, it's just another moment where you're just in awe of humanity and the people doing good things for uh, people that are there to support them. So, yeah, it was a it was a very touching moment.
0: So did your company make it easy for People like you who see an opportunity when when something like Steps for Start comes along, do do were you able to find like matching funds or um, yeah? So we have a time fund. off for people. How does that work?
1: Yeah, so our organization gives everybody eight hours um, to volunteer. They also give everybody up to a thousand dollars to match uh, if you sit on a board. You know, they, they give a pretty sizable grant. And even if they don't, you can, um, you know, work with our organization to get a, to get grants for things that are personal, that are in your community, that matter to you. Uh, and then we work with our clients a lot, partner on things that we are mutually uh, you know, looking at the world and saying, these are things that we need to address and fix. So... Yeah. We have, we have a hashtag assurance proud. And honestly it's a hashtag, it's a mantra, but uh, we live it every day. There's every day someone across our organization, whether it's individually or in a team perspective is out there working in the community. So,
0: right. So, so I understand you also were a part of the, um, the FDA patient listening session. Can you tell people why you decided to do that? What it is?
1: Yeah. I mean, I just, a, I mean, it's, it's honored just to be in a very select group of people to, to get that opportunity to, to get in front and create some further momentum and tell our stories of misdiagnosis, um, the ups and downs of the treatment options that are out there today, uh, the technology kind of has failed us, needs to get better, um, the passing through and the sharing of information needs to be more accessible uh, in the medical community. Um, selfishly for me, I, I never felt so inspired. Uh, it was the first time that I was actually in a room of people that, and I heard their stories and it was just awe-inspiring. Uh, I met so many just brave individuals that have persevered and overcome. And sometimes it feels like, you know, that they dwarf my experiences, but all of us have individual experiences. And that's what makes the the beauty of the collective uh, soul of this environment is that you have people that are, that are fighting and ask people to join them in the fight. Um, and so, you know, it's just simply the, the thought of wanting to do more. And, uh, I, I think we hit a home run. Uh, in fact, I know we did because the people that were on that call uh, and their stories nobody could ignore.
0: What did what was what did you tell people when you shared your story?
1: Yeah, I just told them you know the fact of um, you know it took seven months to really dial it in, and 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 it I was only probably dialed in in that shorter period of time because I did and was fortunate to have kind of uh, my wife to connect me to somebody to kind of accelerate that. Uh, process but I also you know went through went through uh, prednisone three times and just knowing just just how awful that is for me and I'm saying maybe it is for everybody but it was awful for me Um, so if there's other treatment options I want to make sure that uh we're we're opening up those opportunities to you know to trial those things and to bring those to the market um but yeah I I definitely just want to make sure that I'm doing my part
0: so, how many uh, milligrams of prednisone were you on at the most? Sixty. Sixty. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. that made you a little cranky.
1: I, I always tell people, uh, if, if you remember, see, I'm, I'm dating myself, but not maybe too far back. Not
0: it's too far. Cool- You're not too old.
1: I'm not too old, but right. the, you remember the Kool-Aid commercials where the guy would run run through the brick wall yeah. with? The oh yeah,
0: that's right. Yeah. Uh huh.
1: I literally felt like that. Every, almost every second of the day, unless I was completely wound down at the end of the night and my eyes were falling asleep, and I would get my half an hour of sleep and then not be able to sleep after that. But yeah, I always felt like I was on edge. Um, a lot did, of people did you gain weight? weight? Did you get a lot, people, a lot of people gain weight uh, and get moon face? I lost 10 pounds. I remember going back to the dermatologist for a checkup and him going, I can't believe beer on prednisone. But that's because. Uh, I was running uh, ten to twelve miles a day at that point. I, w- I just didn't continue on doing what I was doing. I was doing everything two or three X. I was putting in one hundred and fifty to one hundred eighty minutes of exercise every day. Yeah, I had more hours to do it because I was up, um, but I was mentally trying to, you know, take, you know, whatever stress and pressures that were in my mind and just put it on a pavement or put it on the treadmill. So,
0: well, that's um, that's amazing that you were able to to do that through prednisone, Mm -hmm. because, you know, one of the things that happens is you have the, the boost from the prednisone, but then your body, when it's fighting sarcoidosis, you have the fatigue. And so many people come on the podcast and talk about the fatigue that they get. And that happened to me. Um, And then I was taking some other medications and it got to where I could barely work out. And my, my fitness level is not, at what yours is, but it's probably more rigorous than most people's. And I just couldn't go. and, and yeah. it wasn't it wasn't prednisone. It was some other stuff. It was cytoxin, uh, which is a chemo drug, and uh, I, I had they were throwing some pretty big stuff at me. But uh, but I just couldn't go. Like I I couldn't even ride my bike up the hill, no matter how hard I tried. Like I couldn't breathe, and yeah. I don't even have pulmonary <laughs> So Yeah,
1: I I probably can only you know, um, equate that to, I ran through pneumonia twice because I, I got pneumonia twice when I was on prednisone. Yeah. Uh, and that wasn't fun running through it. So I'm, I'm sure it was something similar, but to the fatigue point, man, fatigue was really an issue for me. And I don't know if that was just, you know, a combination of the sleep, but even as I was saying, my calibration on my body was off before I went on prednisone, man, you would wake up feeling like, yeah, and slept at all. Um, and there's days like that today where I continue to fight through. Um, ironically enough, I eluded COVID for two and a half years. I, I was diagnosed with COVID this last Sunday and had some kind of breathing issues uh, this past week. But but I really feel like I'm consistent and disciplined in my mental and physical preparation to face whatever life puts in front of me. I don't know when the next time, and and I probably will be a next time that I'll can, you know have a flare up because this has happened three times, um, but I know I can do what's in my control, and if I, if I do that every day, if I put myself in a position to to have a network around me that's going to support me and pick me up when I when I need it, um, that the lows will never be so low, and I continue to remind myself. Um, of that cloak of invinci- invincibility that went away when I got this is that I never let the highs be too high. Not to say that I don't like, you know, savor the moments that are awesome, but I just never let it be so much that it doesn't keep me grounded with my feet firmly planted on the ground to make sure that I'm running this beautiful thing we call life and even being, being prepared each and every day.
0: Oh, well, that's awesome. That's, that's just great, great testimony, if you will. Um, so you're, you're going to continue to work with FSR and, and help, uh, quote unquote, hashtag, make it visible and, and continue to, to get out here and, and with the rest of us Sark fighters and see what you can do.
1: I'm going to, I'm going to do my part. Uh, you can guarantee that. And, uh, you know, I'm going to continue to be inspired from those that are, that are kind of leading the way and, um, you know, the individuals that are part of the FDA, I know are highly involved. And just if I can do you know, a 10th of what they do, uh, it'll make me feel like I'm, I'm contributing and helping people out. And it's not just in the sarcoidosis community. Like I really want to influence anybody going through autoimmune disease or facing something where, you know, it's just tough. It's tough to put that that one foot in front of the other. So, you know, I'm going to do my part here and continue to do my part to spread the charitable heart, charitable movement.
0: Outstanding. Well, I want you to, to, to sit by or stand by as, as we say in television news for just a second, but I want to bring in our second guest today, uh, Angela Freelander, who is uh, with FSR. Uh, thank you for joining us, Angela. Thank
3: you for having me, John. It's a pleasure to be here and join the conversation
0: yeah, so uh, pretty uh, pretty spectacular story that Andrew's sharing with us, is it not?
3: Incredible! It's incredibly powerful. And all of us at FSR are so inspired by people like Andrew, um, who work through um, living with this diagnosis every single day and doing and going above and beyond and really um, trying to help um, inspire others in the community, make a difference. Um, It's it's truly um, how all of us um, get up every day. And, you know, we're so motivated to continue fighting for everyone in the community um, and uh, people like Andrew included so
0: right right well your job with fsr is to is to bring money in the door to fund the research that he was talking about and and the the latest number i've heard you're probably closer to it than i am the latest number i've heard is that there are seven different promising quote-unquote drugs in various stages of testing right now that are sarcoidosis specific um Mm -hmm. and when I started this podcast just a couple of years ago, there were none or one. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, so things are moving along and, and everything sort of flows through FSR. And, and one of your jobs is to work with people like Andrew, who are finding workplace initiatives. And I mean, it, it that's what makes the whole thing work, isn't it?
3: Exactly. It's, it's such a beautiful cycle, John, as you mentioned, it's, it really is. um, It's a point of, you know, is it the chicken or is it the egg, but it all flows together so beautifully. And, you know, it's, it's, it's just great to see that how the momentum of what the community is doing um, and everyone, like people like Andrew, people who are sharing their story courageously on the podcast, everyone who's been sharing their stories through the hashtag make it visible campaign and what it's leading to because it really does have an impact, John, like you said, there's um sudden Promising um, trials in progress, and um, that doesn't just happen, right? We we know that that's the case, and um, it really is because of everyone coming together. Um, we know that collaboration. We always say this at FSR, but we we really and truly believe that collaboration is key, and that it takes everyone to come together because, um, you know single-handedly, we can't, we can't do this alone. So we, we really truly need everyone to come together to truly stop sarcoidosis, to um, mm-hmm. have better treatments out there um, and eventually one day a cure.
0: Yeah. Well, let's, let's hope that, that we get there, but even if we can control these situations mm-hmm. without going to the dreaded prednisone, the devil's tic-tacs, as one doctor who came on the podcast called them. Uh, No matter what we can do, uh, it's all a step in the right direction. So, Angela, coming up here, you and I and and Andrew are speaking. This is mid-September 2022, but in October, um, we'll be getting a little bit of a year-end awareness feel for what FSR has planned. You want to tell us about that?
3: Yeah, we're so excited, John, that um, in early October, we're going to be previewing our year-end awareness um, program, which will include so many different ways for the community to get involved. Um, you know, we want to build off of the hashtag Make It Visible initiative that was incredibly powerful. We saw um, such great momentum from that kind of campaign. We saw so many people courageously share their stories, use the hashtag. It went international. We had clinicians, researchers, leadership, um, you know, people people. people around the world, patients, caregivers, supporters. um, And we wanted to um, build on that, um, to further educate, empower, and reach more people impacted by sarcoidosis. Um, And we know that each member, again, like Andrew and everyone else who's come on the podcast has such a unique and powerful story to share. Um, We wanted this um, year end campaign to be another opportunity for people to teach others about sarcoidosis and use their voices to fuel change.
0: Well, that's, that's awesome when it works. So, so Andrew and his group raised $10,000 plus, right. That must've been wonderful to get that check.
3: Oh my gosh. Incredible. Again, it's, and and it's, you know, it's, fantastic to see um, all the people, and in, in, to Andrew's point, who um, want to help and who want to, you know, be a part of the movement. Um, and, you know, we always say, John, it doesn't matter if someone raises $1 or $10,000. It Every single penny that is raised for sarcoidosis and FSR is impactful and helps us accelerate sarcoidosis research initiatives and help better provide support, resources, network, network, Working opportunities for those impacted by, by sarcoidosis. So it's truly, truly um, incredible to see.
0: Well, one of the things that that I heard Andrew talking about, that everybody heard heard him speak about, was sort of this um, this gratitude for finding the sense of community, which allowed him to sort of normalize his situation which that helps you deal with it so so when people hear me introduce the podcast I always say I want to be able to give you hope I want you to be able to hear other people understand other people know what other people are going through and hopefully that helps you so so FSR um, has something called a gratitude and giving campaign which I I, it was over six figures that you raised last year right and are, are you going to do that again this year
3: Yeah, we're going to take um, the gratitude and giving campaign. And um, again, we're going to um, build on that. And um, I'll give your podcast listeners an exclusive um, for the year-end campaign, which is um, going to be stopping sarcoidosis one snowflake at a time. And we're going to use this initiative to continue raising funds throughout year-end, and especially on Giving Tuesday, which is November 29th, um, 2022, the Tuesday after Thanksgiving. Um, and it's a day dedicated to giving back and donating to drive progress. Um, It's also a great opportunity to support groundbreaking research, patient support initiatives. um, And again, as Andrew said, inspiring others to make a difference in the world um, and tap into their charitable spirit um, during the holiday season.
0: Well, I know from serving on local boards that, uh, Nonprofits receive the bulk of their funding, literally in the last two months of the year. Mm-hmm. People people are looking at whatever is their tax situation or money that's quote unquote left over in their lives, or so that's that's when the giving happens, and this this is the time for us as sarc patients, sarc warriors, sarc fighters to be thinking of FSR and keeping FSR in our thoughts as we look toward that end of the year giving, because all the things that are happening cannot keep happening without people participating in that type of giving.
3: Exactly. And we really want, we really need people, um, John, to join us in this movement to help us continue um pushing forward and um, building on this incredible momentum. Um, Like you said, it's, it's, we can't stop now. Um, We're on this journey. We're on the roller coaster and the roller coaster is going to keep going. We need it to keep going. Patients living with sarcoidosis, their caregivers, their supporters, everyone in the community needs this roller coaster to keep going because there needs to be better treatments. There needs to be um, more access to education, to information, resources, networking opportunities, which is why we need everyone to join us. Um, And we need to keep raising funds to make that happen.
0: Well, Angela, you do a fantastic job of getting the money in the door for FSR. Uh, that is so much appreciated. Uh, speaking on behalf of of my listeners and and the sarcoidosis community, thank you very much for that. And uh, Andrew, do you have any last thoughts as we begin to wrap up here? You've listened to her thoughts, and I so much appreciate you sharing your story with us. You feeling okay right now today?
1: Yeah, no, I feel wonderful. Um, so, Although yeah. you have COVID. Right. the covid The COVID symptoms seem to be uh, gone. It I slept uh, for twenty and twenty four hours, so the, the lack of sleep I had four or five years ago was made up this last week. Um, no, I feel great. I feel wonderful. Uh, you know, I've um, I've already run this morning and uh, a five mile run. So yeah, no, I, I feel good about the direction that the star is going in and playing my part and seeing seeing what's happening and the treatments that are hopefully coming to the to bear for others. is just uh, it's just inspiring.
0: Great. Well, thank you for for sharing your story here on the podcast, for sharing your story publicly uh, on LinkedIn. And um, your your experience, I think, was similar to my own when when I kind of went public with it and people started contacting me and that that was the genesis for the podcast, really. Um, and so, the more that we can amplify the voice of FSR and and make FSR more effective uh, through uh, through communication, but also through fundraising, the better off we'll all be, right?
1: Yeah, I had a, just a remarkable. I'll finish this. I had a remarkable experience um, a week and a half ago with one of my employees. So, I have a new employee that joined my my team and the organization, and we were doing some store visits here in Chicago. And at dinner, he wanted to tell me that one of the reasons he decided to join the organization was seeing my story on LinkedIn. I, he had a a, a friend that, um, you know, was trying to recruit him to come here, but his mother had passed away from complications with sarcoidosis. So, you know, when you when you see something like that, and you see somebody that understands and understands the fight and the perseverance, uh, and you know, the sense of community together. Uh, it makes everything that I'm sharing and doing worthwhile and encourage other people, not only the hearing of this about sarcoidosis, but whatever you're going through, uh, those stripes are good stripes. You know, it's just a part of our, all of our individual journeys, um, that can have a domino effect in to other people. So
0: you never know who you're going to touch. Never know. Right. Well, Andrew, Angela, thank you so much. I appreciate it.
3: Right. Thank you so much, John.
1: Have a blessed day, uh, everybody. I
2: feel like a zombie Just feeding and stumbling
0: Thanks again to Andrew and Angela. Andrew, for his efforts not only to fight sarcoidosis, but then to turn that into an opportunity to raise money for FSR so that the organization can do what it needs to do in support of the rest of us who are fighting the disease. And then, of course, to Angela Freelander, she and the team at FSR never seem to slow down. Raising money is hard. And I can tell you, because I work on local and regional boards here in Virginia, that the majority of the funding available to any organization, believe it or not, comes not from grants or from the government, but from people. And pre-pandemic, the sarcoidosis community was doing so many events. And and maybe that's happening again. I, I don't have a strong feel for it. I'm still trying to figure out what's normal, Right now, but you know it seems like we're returning to life in person, and the 5 Ks and the festivals and the events are coming back. and with that comes the, the, the those that are directed at fundraising. But anything you can do to assist Angela and the team, either by doing some fundraising, making an outright donation, uh, doing something maybe on Facebook where you dedicate your birthday, to donations to FSR, anything you can do is just so helpful. And it was—I think this was a good time that we, for us, to shine a light on everything that Angela is doing by way of Andrew and his struggle, and then turning that around. And of course, he's—he's he's still fighting the sarcoidosis, but uh, but doing so uh, quite successfully, I would say. So uh, there is another opportunity out there. If you want to become a leader within the sarcoidosis community by sharing your story, because right now FSR is looking for, you know, the dynamic, uh, dedicated people who are impacted by sarcoidosis to work along the FSR Global Sarcoidosis Clinic Alliance. Volunteers can apply and they will essentially become what's called a community outreach leader to share your sarcoidosis story with the public to empower others and raise awareness. Or you could also apply to be a support group leader facilitating in-person support groups. We talked about people getting back together and it doesn't always have to be a Zoom meeting anymore. So, People are needed to facilitate in-person support groups at the FSR Global uh, Global Clinic Alliance member locations. So, basically, once a hospital or a clinic becomes a part of the Sarcoidosis Clinic Alliance, one of the things they want to do is they want to host in-person support groups, and they're looking for people who have an interest in leading those support groups. And I've actually got some more information about that. That'll be in the show notes. There's a good link. It's uh, stopsarcoidosis.org slash gsca-leaders. But that's a lot to remember. I'll just put a link in the show notes. Got to go through some formalities here, but uh, they're important. Remember the official Sark Fighter song called Zombie by Mark Steyer and his band, the White Hot Lizards. And I've been in contact with Mark several times since uh, his song became the official Sark Fighter song, but he's back in episode 12 and uh, he is a singer, songwriter and an athlete and he was sidelined. By sarcodosis, but uh, he's feeling quite well these days, uh, so uh, he uh, he is on the mend. Although he did just recently hit me with something that is not necessarily a sarcodosis setback, but it was another health concern that's going to affect his sarc medication, and so he is on guard just because they're they're going to have to tweak his. Um, His medication a little bit and he's hoping that he doesn't, that that doesn't cause a flare or something. No reason right now to say that it has, but just wanted to let you know that Mark is out there and he is still a big part of the Sark Fighter community. I release this podcast every other Monday. As I'm speaking today, my trusty dog, Dougal, is curled up in the chair uh, and he is making my life so much better. And my second dog, Pippa, is also in the office today. Don't forget to follow me on social media. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, uh, on Peloton. If you happen to have a Peloton as Sark fighter, I do have a cycling blog, Carl and the Cyclist, and that has a section called Cycling with Sarcoidosis. Kind of details some of the efforts that I've uh, uh, had to suffer um, through the years because of the onset of sarcoidosis, and and then dealing with some pretty uh, pretty difficult medications over the years. If you are new here and you're just trying to figure out what SARC is, go back and listen to episode two with Dr. Simon Hart of the UK. It's one of the most listened to episodes. It's Sarcoidosis 101. If you want to know all about me and my miserable backstory, go back and listen to episode one. The story about the foundation, uh, the founding of the Foundation for Sarcoidosis Research is episode 11 with Andrea and Redding Wilson. Andrea is is a fellow Sark Fighter you can send me an email anytime you like it's in the show notes carlinagency at gmail.com follow Sark Fighter on Instagram and Facebook as I said and I do appreciate your interest in the Sark Fighter podcast if you like it just please tell one person until next time keep fighting
2: it would be so much easier to if I to breathe, I feel like a zombie just feeding at stumbling. It's not the why, but the how that plagues my mind. A new perspective, appreciate what you've got. With dead men walking, in an instant it could be gone. And I don't know One will come. Look for silver linings, but still.